What is commitment? Is commitment different today than it was 20, 30 years ago? If you both agree to cheat, does that make it okay? These are all the questions we're going to be asking today on the first episode of the XYZ Connection, guys. Hey, and I hope you guys are doing amazing. My name is Michael Williams, and I am going to be the host of this show. Of course, for the next season, we're going to be talking about love and relationships. And I've been excited because I've been on Facebook watching you guys just do your thing and answering all the tough questions. And a lot of these questions are going to be in the show. You're going to get a lot of insight. You're going to get some great stuff because this show is going to go into roles. Men, women, what is commitment? How do we commit? How do we know if it's not meant to be? How do we know if it's something that we shouldn't even get into? And do we want a bad marriage for life? So all these questions and more will be answered today because we are uncovering real, raw, and relevant topics from a multi-generational perspective. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about commitment today. So let's connect. You are now tuned into the XYZ Connection, redefining the generational gap, hosted by Michael Williams, bringing you critical conversations impacting generations. Join us for real, raw, and relevant dialogue from a multi-generational perspective. Let's connect in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the XYZ Connection. I'm so excited. Yay! This is our first show. So we're bringing it to you real raw and relevant. And I'm so excited to introduce you to our guests and talk about our show. My name is Michael Williams. In case you didn't know, I am your host. I've been also hosting the Facebook group, so a lot of you guys should know me already. And today we're going to do episode one, which is called The Great Entanglement. What is commitment is some of our topics. What is cheating? You know, are we going to stay committed regardless of if we have a bad marriage for life? So these are all the things that I want to talk about today. We're going to get into that. But first, I want to go ahead and introduce my guests. Of course, we have guests from each generation, X, Y, and Z. And that is the point of this show, to get your views from a multi-generational perspective and just making sure that everybody's connected in some way. So at the end of the show, I'll do a reflection and talk about what we all connected in and how we got together as a generation and what understanding we all reached. So it's going to be great. It's going to be a night of fun, so sit back and enjoy. I'm going to introduce our first guest. Mr. Nate Fowler. Hi, Nate. How you doing? Doing well tonight. How you doing, Michael? I am awesome. Thank you so much. Nate here is a reluctant Generation Xer. He is a man of faith, a father, a budding author, and a sibling of 15 brothers and sisters, a business owner and mentor, and a possessor of a Bachelor of Science credentials and a big fan of learning. His vision is to serve the geriatric population of America by developing retirement opportunities and communities for them. He loves to travel. Thank you, Nate, so much for being on the show. Uh, we also have Toya from Generation Y. She is doing her thing out there today. How are you doing, Toya? I'm amazing. 
How are yes, you? I'm great too. I really appreciate having you on the show. Just a little bit about Toya. She's the director of the Radical Women's Ministry, and it's a ministry at World Changers Church International. She's mentored hundreds of women and teen girls through her ministry work there, and even through various speaking engagements, conferences, and other events. Her influences goes far beyond ministry. She's the co-host of the Canton Jones Show on Praise 102.5 in Atlanta, and she's also received training at the collegiate level in fashion design and merchandising from Bowder College in Buckhead, Georgia. She's the host of other gifts and talents that include event planning, wardrobe styling, and interior design. Well, thank you for being here on the show, Toy. Of course, of course. Um, next up, we got Mr. Dwight, and he is with Generation Z. I'm so happy that you guys are going to love this young man here. Welcome, Dwight. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be oh, here. Yes, I'm so glad to have you. Dwight is an alum of the illustrious Tennessee State University, and he has a Bachelor of Science in Architectural Engineering, and he prides himself on his devotion and faith in Jesus. His passions for art and poetry, as well as challenging the norms on purpose in his writing. Tune into his blog at avowedforlife.org. I think it's awesome. I think all three of you are reaching a different demographic and a different generation. Yeah. And that's what this is all about, maybe connecting the dots and trying to get us to understand one another. So I'm excited. All right. So I am excited to have you guys on this show. And what we're going to talk about today is the great entanglement. So I'm excited. <laughs> Excited about that because that's a pretty hot topic right now. Um, everywhere you go, you're hearing the word entanglement. Is there anyone here who hasn't heard the word entanglement? <laughs> um, so we're not necessarily, and I and for those who probably haven't, who's maybe been hiding in an in, in igloo somewhere, I just want to say that um, Will and Jada came out. And they said that apparently there was another man involved in their marriage, Mr. August Alcina. And he was a young man that came into their home and him and <clears throat> Jada had a relationship. <clears throat> and apparently they had a red table talk. You guys all know about that. And it ended up that, he, you know, they broke up, but she called it an entanglement. And so it kind of opened the doors to talking about that. We're not going to necessarily talk about Will and Jada today. Um, but what we I wanted to get into was more like commitment, because I think it opened the door to what is commitment, commitment within a marriage. Um, is it, you know, do you are you OK with, you know, commitment regardless of how that looks? Is that different in today's time than it was previously? And even at the end where they said bad marriage for life, is that something that we're OK with now in today's society? Or was that cool for our elders and maybe different for us. So those are all the things we're going to talk about. So from each one of you, I kind of want to get your take on what is commitment. We're going to start with you, Nate. Tell me what you think commitment is from your perspective. Ooh, we got to start with the uh, elder statesman here. huh? Yes. <laughs> um, I believe commitment is a, it's an act of the will of a love that's born out of uh, a love that's unconditional that God shows us. Um, commitment is not necessarily based on uh, feelings. It's based on covenant. And when you enter into a covenant with someone, 
It's more of, you know, in the world, we call it a contract. But it's something that's supposed to be binding, something that is uh, has been well thought out, something that has not been entered into um, without knowing all the parameters of it and what it entails. So it was the eyes wide open when you go into it. Um, <clears throat> and it is, it is the, the best example of uh, one of the greatest acts that uh, I believe God has shown us through his love is being committed to us in spite of ourselves, committed enough to uh, to die so that we might live. So uh, commitment is a powerful thing. And I, I think it's not necessarily um, embraced as something that that is a powerful human um, act of the will. Do you think in this generation that commitment is taken much more lightly than it was in your generation? I don't think it's necessarily generational. I think it's, it's more uh, cultural. If you're looking at it from a perspective of, you know, the institution of marriage, um, maybe not. Maybe not. Commitment is, is not that. But I think sometimes if, if you don't know what commitment is, then you, you probably can't function um, from a perspective of being committed. So you have to know that. And I'm not sure that everybody is aware of what real commitment is. That's interesting. Okay. Well, we're going to find out today what commitment is. That's part of the question. Toya, you tell, you enlighten us. What is commitment in, from your perspective? Um, from my perspective, it's dedication, like dedication to a thing. Um, or a cause, dedication to a per person, dedication to a purpose. Um, usually it's like it has terms that are delineated in the commitment. Like, what are you committing to? You know, um, but overall, I think it's dedication. Like you're saying, I'm dedicated to this thing, to this person, to this cause. Okay. So commitment to you is a dedication. Now, what about within a relationship? How do you define a commitment? If you're in a commitment with somebody, what do you think that should entail? Um, loyalty, for sure. Um, being loyal to one another. Honesty. I don't think you could be committed without being honest. Um, transparency. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I don't know that you could also be committed without being transparent you know, about who you are. Again, like I said, about the terms of the commitment, you know, being transparent about what that looks like and what that is. Agreement. Um, like Nate mentioned like a contract um, type of thing. When you commit to something, it's similar to like a contract. And in um, contracts, there are terms of the agreement. So there has to be an agreement um, there between two parties. So I think that's what makes up a commitment and the dedication. Mm. So what if both people in the parties, in the commitment, see the commitment differently? What if they're not on the same terms? Yeah, that's, I think that's when it gets sticky, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't think it's, I don't know that it's possible to be committed on separate terms. Um, again, going back to the contractual um, comparison, it's like, if there's a contract, there are two parties, and there are terms. And then there's like the bottom line where you sign and you agree to the terms. And that's a binding committed contract. Mm -hmm. And so 
I don't think that there can be true commitment where there isn't agreement. And that's deep. I, 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 there's, there's definitely, even in real estate, we learn, you know, part of a contract is agreement between two parties, meeting of the minds, agreement, <laughs> right. And carrying out of the terms. Um, right. So, you know, even if you're likening a marriage to a contract, but if you're likening it to a covenant, like Nate was saying, it probably goes much deeper than that too. So we'll talk. Yeah about that as well. And Dwight, I can't wait to hear your take on what is commitment. What's commitment to you? You're the Z generation. You know, you guys may think you don't have to commit to nothing. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm a little bit of an anomaly because I don't think like the most of my generation or the majority of my generation. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's just because of how I was raised and uh, kind of what I was raised to be around. But I would I would define commitment um, as a I love what Nate said and you know an act of the will. Um, a lot of times we're looking for reasons to commit and not a purpose for the commitment and what we're commit not just what we're committing to, but why are we committing at all? Um, and so we're it's an act of the will to align two purposes for one singular purpose. We may be going in different you know, different avenues, but we're going in the same direction. I mean, when we think about an act of the will, we're thinking about, no, no, I choose you because I choose you, not because, oh my gosh, you look like this, or you you have this, or you make this amount of money. Those are very carnal, fickle reasons to do something that's supposed to last a lifetime. You know, what happens when they stop making that amount of money? What happens when they stop looking like that? Um, and so when I think about commitment, I think about something that has less to do with the temporary or the the what's happening right now, what's going to and, and rather what's going to happen in the future and what's going to happen going forward. And that's interesting um, because, like you said, a lot of people your age um, maybe aren't seeing it that way. They're probably seeing it as I commit to you today until I find somebody better. <laughs> it's contingent upon feelings. It's contingent upon, you know, whether you know, I'm attracted to you or whether I find somebody that I'm more attracted to. That's mm. not that's not stable. It's, it's fickle. It's 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 literally a conditional commitment, which is a contradiction in terms like it doesn't that doesn't make sense. That's not a commitment. That's literally until I find something better or until I find something that makes me feel better than how you make me feel. I'll commit to you. So I know you were saying how you were raised earlier. Did you see commitment modeled to you? Is that how you got that concept of commitment yourself? What was your situation? What I'm about to say, I've gotten released to actually share this. My parents were about to get a divorce mm -hmm. very uh, about eight years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and there was every reason for my mom to leave and every reason for my dad to stop fighting. There was just no reason to stay there. It just didn't seem like it. I mean, it just seemed like the, the mistakes had amounted to a point where uh, ain't going, ain't, ain't no going back from this. But what I saw was that they realized, they remembered that there was a commitment that they made. Um, not just the words that they spoke that represented the commitment, but the commitment that they said to, that they made to each other um, and the life that they had begun together and the kids that they had. There's a, there's a relationship here that can't just be severed by mistakes. And so I got to see commitment operate on an entirely different level. Um, and they were not in a healthy place, but today you would never even know that there is any issue. And if anything, they're very transparent and vulnerable about the things that they 
have gone through and about the things that they are going through and they're working through. I love that. So tell me from a young person's perspective, how seeing that struggle changed your image of you know relationships and your goals for what you wanted relationships to be in your own life? Well, you know, it, it made me stop looking at relationships in such a temporal worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, like um, now I'm not looking for a woman that's the finest thing walking and the girl that everybody wants. Now I'm looking for a woman that I can work through things with, that I can build with, that I could have fun with, that that could actually be my friend. I think er- very early on when I started dating, you know, I never really thought a woman could be my best friend. I just always thought I would have my boys and then I would have my girl. You know, it, it was never she could be my best friend. Um, today, I think very differently about that. Today, I actually think it's very necessary that she is your best friend because there's going to be times that I've seen where you don't need a wife. You don't need a girlfriend in that in certain moments. You need a friend. You need a sister in Christ. You need you. There's certain positions, there's certain roles, there's certain hats that we have to wear um, that make us dynamic in our relationships. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. Now I'm not just looking for a partner that can make me feel good about myself. Now I'm looking for somebody that I could actually build with and work through things with overcoming our issues together and not me overcoming mine and you overcoming yours. And then hoping that we meet somewhere. Man, I, when I say I love that, <laughs> women everywhere are like, oh, oh where do we find them? <laughs> I love that. That was so um insightful to me. And, you know, so many of us in the older generation always think, eh, they don't care. They don't understand. But there are those that are learning and that are younger. And I've noticed because I was a speaker in the public schools for eight years that the younger generation are actually redefining um, commitment. And they're going back to the the virtues and the values of their grandparents rather than their parents. because They've seen so much. And they're like, you know what? I'm going back to trying to stay married forever and trying to do this a different way than they've just seen in the recent generations. So they're kind of, you know, making different moves because of uh, these lessons. They look at the other generation as wisdom of what to learn off of and what not to do. So I think what you that the fact that you did learn, you took those lessons learned and used them to move forward and change the next generation is super, super powerful. I love it. I, I just want to commend the young brother for uh, what he said, because as he was talking, the first thing that started coming to mind was that um, when he talked about his parents, uh, they literally had to come to the end of themselves of who they were in order to see that the thing that they were in is much more bigger than the selfish desires of themselves. Um, my grandparents were together for 52 years before my grandfather left here. And for the first 30 years of that relationship, my grandfather was a functional alcoholic. He would go to work uh, Monday through Friday and then Friday evening, you wouldn't see him until Monday afternoon when he came home from work again. And he did that for years. And my grandmother, uh, she did her thing. They, they both were out in the streets doing their thing. And my grandfather was a womanizer and all those things until he, he, came, to, he came to Christ. And for the last 23 years of their relationship, my grandmother never had it so good in her relationship with him. He adored her. He, he doted on her. 
And what that taught me was um, there's a requirement that's more spiritual than it is uh, something that is fleshly. Um, there's a requirement uh, that is that God requires more of you to be connected to someone on that level for the long term. And you got to be willing to, 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 to make that effort every day to say, come what may, regardless of whatever it is that my lot is going to bring to me with this person, I'm standing with her or I'm standing with him. And for me to see that uh, always made me feel like um, when I do make that decision, that's it. It's for life. So it also requires me to make the right decision of who it is mm. to commit to. Okay. That's what the main part is <laughs> because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm watching Will and Jada and at the end, they're like bad marriage for life bump fist. And I'm just like, Hmm, that kind of sounds horrible, you know, to me, um, for me, because I was like, you know, I can't see myself wanting to wait to be happy until I'm 60. Um, and so it's 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 kind of conflicting for me because I did get a divorce after 20 years, over 20 years. And um, most of us have been divorced as well, knowing that we had grandparents that were together 60 years and knowing the things they taught us. Um, so I'm going to get into that, like the generations before us. Do you think commitment was different for them than it is for us today? I think, number one, they had a lot less distractions. Um, you know, it was pretty life was pretty linear at that time, I think. Um, in terms of like, you know, you had the man who was the breadwinner. So he went out and he took care of the family financially. And then you had the woman who stayed home. And so it was just kind of like that routine. Just, that's just what you men work. Men bring home the bacon and you take care of the kids. And so he could have multiple families. <laughs> he could have multiple kids. Um, on the side, but he was the primary breadwinner. So it's kind of like you just deal with it because that's your source of living. That's how you eat. That's how you pay your bills. That's how you have a roof over your head. So if he has a whole nother family that's living across the street, you just kind of deal with it. And um, you deal with it for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, because that's just what it is. And that was what commitment looked like. No matter what you stay in there. Um, and definitely today, the it has turned. <laughs> it's not the same. And I think the dynamics of society have had an influence on that in terms of women now are also breadwinners. And a lot of families, they are the primary breadwinner. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't have to necessarily stay here to be provided for. You know, I could leave if I wanted to um, because I could take care of myself. So it it kind of puts a a different spin, so to speak, on the what commitment looks like now versus what commitment looked like then. So yeah, I think it's definitely different. I mean, that's just one factor. And then like I said, distractions, you have social media, you have just so many, so much access to so many things and so many people. So I think that changes the dynamic of it doesn't change what commitment is. It does change how people approach commitment though. I definitely uh, think so as well. And it's, I can see both sides of it. 
And yeah. um, I see the wanting to be in it forever. Um, I even taught classes when I was married, you know, called Married for Life. And we were like, you don't leave in, no matter what. Um, but and I also see the side of it, it uh, being in a place where you could be so unhappy um, for so long and have lost yourself so far that, you know, in your mind, the only option is, hey, I don't even want to live anymore if I got to stay in this situation. Right. Um, and I don't recommend anybody go there either. So it's almost like, how do you, you know, get past that point where maybe things are tough? But when what is the line where it's too tough? Like when there is a time to say, hey, this may not be working and I can't commit to something that's tearing me up in the inside. Is there a point or do you just push through it and wait until it gets better? Yeah, that's a great question. What is the what what line do we draw? My answer is going to be very interesting only because I've never been through anything like that. Thank God. Um, but also because. I think if we get into relationships asking, so when can I leave? We're actually not committing to anybody. We're just waiting for something bad to happen. But to answer your question, I think when abuse begins to enter a relationship, emotional, verbal, physical, um, I think it's time to start thinking about uh, some contingency plans. And I say contingency plan and not divorce because if divorce is your first response to disagreement, to adversity, um, then you're probably not ready to be married. Um, and I, I say that trying to be sensitive to the many different situations that are out there. But I think we have to be mindful that people can change, but it is up to them. They have to want to change. And so, yeah, that's just from my perspective. Obviously, I'm trying not to be insensitive to the many different cases that are out there. But I think it goes back to Nate's point. We have to be very mindful of the people that we're choosing. And um, so that when we do choose them, we're not asking, so when can I leave? What, when is it a right time to leave? No, no, no. How about what are all the reasons I should stay? That's good. That's good. Um, I, I know that even in my case, when I left the marriage, it was a very difficult choice to make. Just being transparent myself, um, it was two and a half years of counseling. Um, it was numerous marriage classes. It was consistent talks. It was um, a lot of issues that continued to come up repeatedly. And um, to the point where, you know, at the end, I, the week, I think the week of I left, I sat down and wrote out a suicide note. And I was like, I'm done. I'm leaving this earth um, because I would rather just leave this earth and deal with all the things I'm dealing with. And um, it was like, it's either going to be me leaving or leaving the marriage. And and the way it just all happened within a week, everything got turned upside down and I ended up not even voluntarily leaving Got Like I, I got put out of my house, everything got thrown out in the streets and it was like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> so I almost had the decision made for me as well, but I feel like you should do, like you said, it was 22 years, you know, and I feel like you should try to do everything you can do in your power before you make that decision. You know, like if you're going to leave after a year, you're going to leave after 18 months or, or five years, 
um, without even giving it that extra chance to see if it can work or trying to take all the steps. I see people who are like, no, I don't want to go to counseling. No, I don't want to um, see anybody. I feel like I, I shouldn't have to do that. They should just change. Um, so if you're going to be in that state of mind, yeah, marriage may not be for you. But I also think there's so many things you can do. But as far as social media, Dwight, you brought that up. Do you think that um, do you guys think that social media has changed the way we look at commitment as far as making it easier to um, just get in and out of a situation, Toya, because you're involved more in like the hip hop side of it or in that community. Do you think that commitment is defined more by the social media and the media and the celebrities and things like that? Absolutely. Um, I think it's, if it's not defined, it definitely has a strong influence on how we see relationships as a whole, on how we see commitment. Um, you're, you're now seeing, you just have so much access to other people's stories. And so it's almost like you get to see different stories and pick and choose what you identify with. Like you can look at a Will and Jada and say, yeah, I think I like that. I think I like bad marriage for life, or I think I like entanglements, or I think I like, you know, and, and you kind of follow the trend. Like there's a trend in every facet of life. You know what I mean? When you look at medicine, there's medical trends. When you look at fashion, there are trends. When you look at relationships, there are trends. Politics, there are trends. Every facet of life, um, you can find a trend. And so I think now it's very trendy, you know, to talk about multiple partners or- um, Entanglements. <laughs> they made it so pretty. Entanglements and- polygamy and all those different types of multiple partner relationships. It's like trending right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's heavily influenced by um, social media, music, movies, just the images that we see of that. We didn't see that stuff 20 years ago, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that um, too, like even Lisa Ray, the actress, she did a, a show the other day and she was like, I'm ready to have an entanglement with Will Smith now. And it was like, oh, God, we're going to go. We're going to go there now. <laughs> we're just around and around in a circle. So with the entanglements, they've almost made to me, it's almost like they've almost glamorized cheating just a little bit and made it like, oh, it's just an entanglement, you know, kind of a word that doesn't mean I committed adultery. Even Will was like, what did you do? <laughs> and so when we start kind of glamorizing in that light and making it OK, do you think that they've actually redefined what um, cheating is now? Absolutely. Um, I think even more so, they've redefined how to justify why you cheat as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what we saw with Jada, and I've heard it said many different ways, so I hope I don't butcher the way it was said, but she found a way to uh, impersonate someone who is mentally, emotionally healthy she used that language to encapsulate some toxic behavior, some entanglement toxic behavior. Um, she never really owned up and said that it was wrong. She just said that it wasn't false. Oh, yeah. Sake. She said, I don't regret it at all because it taught me. It, it made me grow. As and, to just, and, to, and that's what I don't like about our culture. And, you know, especially when you get a platform, uh, mm -hmm. it's really easy to just, you know, when you get a following to say just anything because somebody's gonna clap for you. Mm. But what I saw was, is just this justification of behavior for the sake of growth. I hear that so much. Well, mm. I grew, 
So I, I chose them because I knew it was gonna help me to grow, or I chose to do this because I knew it was gonna, you can grow, you're gonna, growth is inevitable. Now, growth in a, you as a person, that's a choice. You don't have to hurt someone else to grow. Exactly. As August was crushed. And here's the thing, he grew from that. Even though it was a bad situation, he still grew but he didn't have to go through that to grow. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So to say that she had to do that or she doesn't, that is, are you serious? <laughs> I have nothing more to say. Like <laughs> nothing more to say. Nate, what do you think about it? Cause I know in your own marriage, you went through certain situations. What do you think about the whole cheating dynamic? Is it being glamorized now? I got a little different take on it than my brother Dwight because there's there's two two reasons. Um, cheating is still cheating if someone who who's involved with someone else who's who's in a, a committed relationship with someone else commits a selfish act in order to do it um, because the other party didn't benefit from the act that the person was involved in with another person. So. To me, you took something that didn't belong to you and you gave it to someone else. Um, second thing is, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the redefinition of the whole cheating act, I think we give Will and Jada too much credit because that was their relationship. Mm. That doesn't have to be everybody else's. And just because Jada had a skewed view of what it is she did because she didn't really want to own up to what it is she did, doesn't mean that everybody else who's involved with a situation like that would see it the way she did. So mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> if somebody's hurt by an action that you did, because I say this all the time, that the greatest suffix after self is less, not ish. So if you're self-ish in what it is that you're doing, then somebody that's, that's close to you is going to be harmed by it. But if you're selfless, then chances are that you're, you're not going to be harming somebody that loves you. And Will was hurt. Will was hurt. Apparently. Well, if he was hurt, then he saw it as cheating, not an entanglement. Mm, and I could see his face. And but people were like, hey, they're actors. You know, the, I saw I even heard one thing like they've been. And I don't know because I don't want to make this about them, but they have been having relationships with people outside of their marriage. People have been saying this. So he's like, he's acting because he's been doing his own thing. And, and they're both, you can see him in every movie looking like that when he cries. So I don't know, you know, we're not there. Like you said, we're not in their relationship, but I want to, I want to get into a question because that did open a door when people started saying that, that opened the door to a really good question, which is if let's say they both did have agreement and maybe, August just told on them, but what, let's say they had an agreement to allow uh, them each other to have uh, multiple partners outside of the marriage. Do you think that that's still considered cheating? Personally, I don't think that that's cheating. If we agreed, I mean, because again, to me, when you talk about commitment within a commitment, there are terms. So there are terms within any agreement. There are terms of that agreement. And so you know, one party, this is what I'm agreeing to do. The other party, this is what I'm agreeing to do. This is what we're agreeing to do together. So if it's a part of their agreement that we can have 
outside parties, whether I agree with it or not, whether it's immoral or not, but it's something that the two of them have agreed upon, then it's not cheating if we both have an understanding that that's okay within our relationship. Now, I can look at it and say, I couldn't do that, or I don't agree with that, or that's not right. And I can have that opinion. I can take that position about their relationship. But within the terms of their agreement of their relationship, I am committed to the agreement if the agreement says that I can have an outside party. I haven't broken any commitment because I didn't commit to not having an outside party. So I don't think it's cheating if we agree, the two of us agree, that we can have other relationships on the side. It's, you know. Okay. I don't think think so. What do you think, Dave? Is it cheating if you both say, hey, let's do it? I, I think truth is not relative. I think truth is truth. And if you're married, let's look at it from the perspective of you're married. If you're married and you have relations, sexual relations with somebody outside your, your marriage, is called adultery. And adultery is cheating. If you, you're talking about people who are not married and have a relationship and they decide to define their roles as being polyamorous or uh, polyamory or you know, they're going to have multiple, you know, members and they agree to that, then, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would go as far as calling that cheating because they did have an agreement. But for purposes of, if we're talking about marriage, mm-hmm. that's just me, we're, we're talking about marriage, it's not our institution to redefine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't belong to us. It is been stated, as a matter of fact, it's been a gift that has been given to us. So, we who are the benefactors of what a manufacturer gave us don't get to change what the manufacturer's original intent of of what it was when it initially was created. So if he said it's cheating, it's cheating. From a rational perspective, I agree with Toya. Um, From the Christian perspective, I mean, I agree with Nate. Uh, It's not up to us to redefine. Uh, I really don't even want to add to it. You, know you said I mean? you hear, you hear, you see both yeah. sides from two different, two yeah. different angles. I see that. Okay, so I want to get into now. Like you, you, you've been in this marriage. You're, you're together for a long time. Our elders, like we said, they used to stay in marriages 50, 60 years. Maybe forty of them, those years may have been troublesome, um, and then the last maybe twenty, they're you know, having the amazing time of of their life, maybe. Um, But I want to talk about the reference, bad marriage for life. Do you all feel that you should stay in a marriage for the sake of being committed? Or when you are no longer happy, should you have the option to leave and not feel that that's, that shouldn't be an option? Oh man. Um, I think there's so many factors with that, uh, you know, for me to make a justify answer to that, there's different factors. Um, but let me, let me submit that to submit this to you. I think we were given the right to, to be at peace in a relationship with someone. And if there are numerous we call them vicissitudes of life or pressures that you're feeling in a relationship that is 
interfering with that peace that you know God has given you, then you know there may be grounds and justification for you to uh, remove yourself. Now, hopefully, when you make that decision to remove yourself, you really understand that there's going to be collateral damage no matter what. There's always going to be collateral damage when you remove yourself from someone that you have been coming one with. So it's not a it's not a rosy picture either way. I mean, you could be in a bad marriage and, and it could be bad and be peace, you know, you know, peace could be upset, or you can remove yourself from it and go through hell trying to get over it. So you have to decide which way you want to go um, and what's best for you. And that's not it's not a cookie cutter answer to that. Mm-hmm. I ain't about to be in no bad marriage for life. That's just me personally. You know, everybody else can chart their own course and do what makes them happy or what they feel is right. I personally am not going to be in a bad marriage for life just to say I was in a bad or I was married for life. You know, you don't get to do it again. There are no do overs. And so it's like you're 60, 70 years old and. You know, your life was miserable, but you stayed married. You hung in there. It's like not for me personally. No. And also, like, you know, when I was going through deciding to leave or stay in my marriage, you know, it was it was difficult because I had, you know, I'm in church, not only grew up in church, but also working in church, serving in church. I mean, like ministry. We were in the marriage ministry. Right. Inundated with church. My parents were marriage ministry, you know, alumni or whatever. And so, of course, they're like, you know, you stay and you work it out and divorce is not an option. And, you know, the the whole choir of church people, you know, and then I had other people like, girl, if I was you, you know, you have that choir too. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't put up with that, so on and so forth. And so I'm in the middle, like, okay, Lord, what do I do? And I remember the day I just got so frustrated with being double minded about it. Like, I just was so confused and conflicted, and it was bothering, it was weighing so heavily on me. And I remember I was on my way to work, and before I left, saying to God, I am not leaving this place. I'm not going to anybody's job until you speak to me, until Mm -hmm. you tell me what to do. I've heard this person's opinion. I've heard this person's opinion, but I want to know what you would have me to do. And I remember sitting there was silent for about 15 minutes. And I'm like twiddling my thumbs like at any moment you can speak. You know, I'm not moving from this place until I know for sure. And I remember finally the Holy Spirit speaking and saying, go to first Corinthians chapter seven, verse 15. And I think I read that scripture like 20 times before it jumped out at me. And basically what Paul was saying in that scripture was, you know, before you got saved, everybody was in these different positions. You know, these were Gentiles were just getting saved or just receiving Jesus. Right. And so now they're trying to reconcile all these different things like, oh, now I received Jesus. I'm excited about it, but I have this husband who hasn't received Jesus. And so Paul's like, you know, hey, whatever state you were in before you received Jesus, remain in that state. If you were married before you received Jesus, stay married. You know, if you were here before you received Jesus, stay there. If you were this before you received, stay there. Like this is not like a reason for you to totally uproot your life. And then he said, yeah, but if the unbeliever departs, don't run after him, let him go. You know, he said, um, For I have called you to live in peace. 
And something about that part of the scripture I had never seen before. And it literally jumped off the page Mm -hmm. and was like, at the end of the day, I have called you to live in peace. This is not peace. This is not wholeness. This is not nothing missing, lacking, or broken. And then the Holy Spirit said, run to me Mm. and don't look back. From that second forward, I had complete peace. I knew exactly what God told me to do. Nobody could tell me any different. And from that moment, the provision of God backed up everything that he told me to do. And I say all that to say, not that, oh, go to the scripture, use this scripture, take what I said and regurgitate it. I got that from my personal relationship with God who gave me a personal word for Mm -hmm. me. He told me to leave. And so people are like, God told me to get a divorce. God told you to get a divorce. God hates divorce. Spirit of God is there to lead you. And so it's not like cookie cutter. Like if this happens, then this. It's like, no, I have committed to living a, a really good life. And that ma- and it matters who I choose to live it with. And I'm going to always consult the Holy Spirit on every decision that I make. And he'll never lead me wrong. And that's my answer. Like there is no like stay forever just to stay forever. But there is no like just leave for the sake of leaving. There's like submitting your whole life to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to lead, guide and direct you into all knowledge, truth and understanding. I love that. I love I love too what Nate said about peace. And then you followed that up with peace. I was like confirmation too. Um, just getting that peace, you know, regardless of your decision, making sure you have that peace. Because like you said, that personal relationship that you have should be able to guide you. So I think that that was powerful what you guys both said. I, th- I think the the points are well taken. Um, and let's just say that um, you guys, the deal breakers, I wanted to talk a little bit about deal breakers. Um, when it comes to commitment, do you think cheating is a deal breaker or are there other other deal breakers? I know Dwight said maybe abuse. Are there any other deal deal breakers, Dwight, that you can think of that may be a sign that, you know, that is not a situation you need to be in? Honestly, no. Um, And and I say that because a commitment really is what it is. It's I'm committing to you when it's horrible and when it's bad with the hope that it will not remain there Um, with the assertion that we will both recognize when things are not okay. And we will both work to a point of peace is what we're kind of alluding to here. Um, what I love about my generation, though, is that we're learning how to vet early instead of discover that, oh, that's mm-hmm. who you are later on. And obviously, there's certain people who really can put on a front. Um, but I think this piece about listening to the Holy Spirit and discernment is so important. Um and to have those deal breakers, those non, I, I call them non-negotiables because you have them before uh, you enter a relationship, not while you're in the relationship. You don't develop non-negotiables or deal breakers while you're in one because that's not fair. You don't know, they don't even know who they really can be or a lot of people are still discovering that. And so to put that at the forefront of the relationship, those non-negotiables, I think is so important. Because now it, it helps you to realize, okay, if you don't have these non-negotiables, 
this won't work. There's nothing to figure out because we, we get in knowing, okay, you meet my non-negotiables. That's why we're going forward. Not I'm hoping that you eventually meet these non-negotiables. So I'm going to go forward just kind of hoping that you blossom into this person. So I guess that comes, that goes to the next question. You know, do we, do we marry potential? Do we marry uh, people who we think will become exactly what we want them to be? Or do we actually combine ourselves or, or merge ourselves with people that already are that person? I love that because choice of mate, you know, and so many people don't realize when they're just dating random people that you can end up having, you could end up, you know, getting somebody pregnant and having to deal with that person for the rest of your life. Um, but there's so many situations that people are just not really thinking of the future when they're dating. You know, um, it's almost as if dating really doesn't have a purpose anymore. Um, it's just like, I just want to hang out. Let's hang out. Let's hook up. I'll say this. And this is where I have to address my brothers. Intentional dating is on us. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, a woman should agree and absolutely be in, invested and, in, and enthusiastic about a man that's in, that's intentional about what he pursues. But when it comes to setting the precedent, setting the tone, man, that is that is what God ordained us to be able to do. And I've, I've said this on the page. It's not that women can't. It's not that women can't do it better. They probably can. <laughs> but mm -hmm. when it comes to the health, the functionality and the longevity of that relationship, if it's not the man leading in the ways that he should lead, that relationship will not will not last. It will not make it. I love that because that, sh you know, it, it's so it to me, it's it's an older concept that people are falling away from as the men taking the leadership. Um, and you're saying not even in marriage, but even when you before that, when the dating process starts, um, because, you know, a lot of us do hear the the verse that says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people may not think that's relevant because they say, well, Ruth went after Boaz. You know, <laughs> you don't you know, everybody has a scripture to overturn another scripture. But sticking with this topic, um, men leading as far as making their intentions known, that is so um, not being done today. And I love that you even said that for your generation, because women are always confused. Um, and I, most of the women I talk to are like, I don't know. If one minute he acts like he likes me, one minute he's, you know, joking around, let's hang out. Next minute he's busy. Um, so more, more women to me are like kind of sitting there hanging out, waiting for guys to figure it out and make a decision. And so now we got a, a generation of girls who are like, forget it. I'm going to ask him out. Forget it. I'm going to ask him to marry me. <laughs> I mean, it has to come to that for us to to find that that commitment. Um, and so I, I don't even understand if that's something maybe that we're doing because men have um, kind of laid down and allowed certain things to happen or not even taken that role. Or is it just because women are definitely more aggressive in this day and age and know what they want? I think a man who allows a woman to walk in the shoes that he was supposed to wear doesn't care about her walk. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the things that men are supposed to do, we really need to understand those things so that our relationships with women can really last and be healthy. 
I just want to piggyback off of what the white was talking about. Um, one of the things that jump out to me is that if you're not aware of what your role is and what the rules of your role is, then you can't operate in it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our young brothers don't know what it's like to be a man because they haven't had any opportunity to have the experience with being around a real man who, who, who was able to step into his role as a leader. See, women out to me, a woman will outgrow a man in a heartbeat because when she comes to the relationship, she's already a lot. Most times God has equipped her to be everything she needs to be. She's coming ready to work, ready to build. She has ambition already. And if he's taking too long, she's going to step up. Mm-hmm. That's what she's going to do. And if he's not the man he's supposed to be, and if he's not assertive, she'll step right into his role. Mm-hmm. She'll step right into his role. And that's what we're seeing now because the roles of how the co- the cultural norms of today have been skewed because man has not taken his rightful place. He's abdicated. Mm-hmm. Well, what about what do you think about people who say and because I've seen it on the Facebook page when we've been having conversations and you guys have all been a part of these Facebook conversations. Um, in case you guys don't know about it, it's our Facebook groups page, the XYZ Connection. Um, and uh, people have been saying, well, traditional roles are outdated. Um, we need to just blur the gender lines and just whoever wants to propose, whoever wants to you know, jump in there and ask whoever out. What do you think about that, that that's becoming almost a trend now? I wouldn't say I I see it on both sides. I think um, from the woman perspective, I think the role has been um, skewed from the beginning of time, um, meaning from the standpoint of women um, not having certain rights and privileges, women being seen seen as property. Um, and so all of, even if you read in the Bible, in the, in the old Testament, you know, it was very heavily, I mean, it's all men may mostly (laughs) you it's, it's very difficult. It's like mining for coal and oil to find stories about women in the Bible. They're there. But when you think about in totality, they're not. And so the representation over time has not been there. And so now I think some of it is healthy in that we're um, challenging some of the patriarchal ways of our society that, oh, women are supposed to cook. Women are supposed, this is what a woman does. This is what a woman is. This is what a woman looks like. This is what a good woman is. This is what a bad woman is. This is what a good man is. This is, I think some of it's healthy. You know, because I think some of it was toxic from a societal standpoint. These were the standards like these were the hard standards when we talk about gender roles. And I think versus what I think God's original intent was for us to um, not be defined by our gender, but more by our grace. Now, granted, from a masculine and feminine, there are certain things masculine um, represents and certain things fem- feminine represents and those things are kind of don't change. But I think we start getting into roles and who approaches who. Now, I personally couldn't approach a man, couldn't ask a man to marry me personally because I have a very strong personality already. So if I'm doing everything, I'm looking at you like... What do I need 
you four like <laughs> automatically like okay like no doubt, this is not interesting at all like i have to do so i have to do i gotta do this and i gotta do this no next what do you think about what the guys were saying about men stepping up um and maybe assuming that role within dating and within commitment and within the marriage um and feeling like maybe that's something that's been lacking and maybe why women have felt like they've had to maybe jump up there and start taking the lead well, I think it's on both sides. I think men don't step up because women have set the bar so low. Mm -hmm. And I think women settle for anything. So yeah, I, most men are not required to step up because the women are not requiring them to. Our standards have gotten so low for what we require, what we're looking for, that men don't have to. And not that that makes it right or wrong or good or bad. I'm just saying that's just the nature of what is. So if, if, if the bar goes from here to here to here, more often than not, people are just like, oh, so all it takes to get you is, is this? Oh, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to do the bare minimum. Unless you have exceptional men like Nate and Dwight. They're the exception. But most men, because the bar has been set so low, they're just going to say, hey, that's all it takes. That's all I'm going to do. And I put the onus of that. You guys are men. So you'll be like, hey, men, brothers, we need to step up. And I'm a woman and I'm like, we need to get it together. I'm going to put the onus on women too because I feel like we set the tone. I, I think that's part of the problem with the, the whole social media thing because uh, it has allowed people to, to be in a, in a frame of mind of comparison. Mm. Um, you, you see these Instagram models and, you know, they're putting all these pictures up and, you know, everything is that, you know, showed, you know, all out there and the women go in there and they see all these likes and they see all these guys saying this and that. And they that's and they try to measure up to that standard because that's the standard is set because they think that's what all the all the guys of, of value wants. And it has devalued. It has it has in a, in a way body shamed women, you know, who may not be built that way. God uniquely made you who you are for who you are. Uh, and he knew exactly who you was when he made you. Yeah. And it's always somebody for, for, for everybody, I think. But the problem is that when you see all these things on social medias, you can't help but to be inundated by what your eyes see and you internalize it in your heart and you say, well, I got to be this in order for me to be able to get this guy. And if a guy shows any interest in me, then I got to give him everything that he wants because I don't want him to go anywhere because I don't meet the standard that of beauty that's out there. Right. So, um, and, and I, and I'll say this too, Tori, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to give our brothers a pass right. because the standards wouldn't be low if the brothers has high standards themselves, if they didn't expect the woman to be a woman, they expect her to have class. Yeah. They didn't expect her to be, you know, booty shaking and, and twerking and all that other stuff. Then, you know, women wouldn't feel like, you know, they had to, you know, they had to, do those things in order to get a guy. Yeah. So we don't get a pass. <laughs> we don't get a pass. Listen, nobody gets a pass. I wanted to say, yeah. I mean, I think that's another issue is men allowing another human being that just so happens to be a woman to set the standard for how he should be a man. When that's God's job. God sets the standard for how you're a man. I heard a perspective about, you know, what happened in the Garden of Eden and why men are not stepping up or why we see a history or a pattern or a trend of men just being weak or being misogynistic or just being anything but who Jesus was essentially. Mm -hmm. And we see it in the garden of Eden when Adam did not properly 
act like a man in the Garden of Eden. Right, because yeah. nobody says he was off somewhere. He could have been <laughs> sitting right like, there. Like, I mean, a lot of people and, you know, just the average person will probably be like, that's Eve's fault. She, no, no, no. Adam did not properly disciple his wife. He did not properly give her the law to say that. And this is not to say that women can't understand the law themselves or understand things themselves, but it's, we see passivity. We see uh, a lack of authentic manhood very early in what we call history. Um, and that's what we saw in Adam. And he set the precedent for all men. We, you, we under the first Adam until we, uh, we accept the second Adam, which is Jesus. And so Jesus is the standard for authentic manhood. If we, if men do not understand what the standard is, if their standard is their dad or their uncle, these are not bad things. But if their standard is another human being, I think we're settling. We're settling for their mistakes. We're settling for even their successes. And we learn from their successes. We learn from their mistakes. But if we want to learn what the true standard is, it has to be somebody who is completely God and completely human who made it happen, who made it, who, 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 who acknowledged his humanity, but also was completely God at the same time. That's the standard of manhood right there. Mm, this is a good show. I, I hate to leave <laughs> because we've gotten some deep stuff here. And I know you guys who are watching have just been getting some great bits of information. Um, if you have been watching, I want you to to comment, like, share, because we definitely want to get this show out and, and I'm going to be putting out more shows, but this is amazing. Eventually, I am going to do another episode eventually on roles and the men and women, because I think that's an even deeper topic that we definitely want to get into, even aside from commitment. It's like the roles, like the men and women part of it is so deep and so detailed. And I think that's such an important topic um, for all of us to learn. We don't, we don't typically learn that from our parents sometimes anymore. And so it's a thing where, where do you learn that? And how do you learn that? And what are some of the ways that we can mentor the next generation um, in order to get like Mr. Dwight here, um, that kind of wisdom and insight, you know? Um, so I, I definitely uh, want to get into that more on another episode as well. But um, before we go, I do want to ask you guys, um, each one of you, which generation out of the X, the older the Y, the millennials, or the Z, do you think has the best view right now of commitment and why? I don't I don't I don't think any any one generation has um, can 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 ring their bells and say that they're the best. Uh, I think there are so many different factors that would go into um, people understanding and knowing what commitment is and we can run a gamut from uh, from teenage years up until the 60s and 70s. And I think it has a lot to do with uh, who has poured into you, who has imparted wisdom into you, what you have learned, what you have been taught, uh, your support system, um, what you've seen growing up, uh, what you've experienced. Uh, all of those things play into that. And also, more importantly, is your spiritual focus, your moral compass. Mm -hmm. um, who you walk with uh, as a deity uh, for most of your life. Uh, Jesus Christ, as, as the brother said, if, if uh, he is your, your pattern example, then how you view commitment would be different than somebody who didn't walk with him. So that doesn't 
that could be any generation. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's X, Y, or Z. It can be anyone. I think we're all screwed. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> kind of. kind of serious, kind of joking. <laughs> I don't think anybody has ma mastered it. No, none of us are the master. I think um, the beautiful thing about life is that we keep growing and expanding and learning through generations. Mm -hmm. And so with time, you know, there is change, but there's also wisdom that's developed and in ingenuity and innovation, creativity. So the fact that we could live long enough and see multiple generations and we can see things differently and see things through um, new eyes. And so I don't think I don't think it's right or wrong or um, the best or anything like that. I think all of us do the best that we can with what we have. And so as life continues to go on, we learn more, we know more. And I feel like we ultimately, ultimately <laughs> do better. We all do better. I think we do better. Um, there's, there's, there's things that are worse, I guess we could say. But ultimately, I think um, we're all getting better and better. We're going from glory to glory and faith to faith. And when you know better, you do better. <laughs> you know better, you do better. I, I agree with uh, Toya and Nate, um, it is not, I guess, specific to a generation. I think every generation has learned from each other and can learn from each other. I've, I've seen the humility in the X generation learn from someone like me as if I could be a mentor to them. And obviously, I'm not going to take on that role. I mean, we're all human beings. We're, we're all learning from each other. We can learn from the mouths of babes. I mean, they, they got wisdom, too. Um, and you know, I think every generation has learned from each other and we should credit the lessons that have been learned and the wisdom that can be shared for every generation, including from the X to the Z, the Z to the Y, the Y to the Z, the however many variations of how we can listen to each other and acknowledge what we have to share about things. I think what I'm seeing in my generation and the Z generation is um, we're learning about, we're valuing mental health more. It's become trendy. Uh, what I noticed in the Y generation was that, you know, we're seeing a level of independence that, you know, I think for myself, I don't think because of this is how my family has always thought. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking for myself. And what I'm seeing in the, what I saw in the X generation is this standard for how we do life and this tradition that we, there's some traditions that don't need to be broken from. We can learn from every single component of every single generation. And if we can't see that, then we're capping our understanding. We're capping our growth. Yeah. And I think that's, the most important part of this show is just finding out where we connect because we may not agree on everything, but there are certain ways that we connect. And I think that's why this show is going to be so good and relevant um, in this society because there's so many ways out there in America right now we're disagreeing yeah. <laughs> and so many fights and arguments and debates and this and that. And so it's so nice to be able to come together on views and be able to talk like adults, you know, unlike some of the people we see out there, be able to talk and just share ideas and, um, you know, hopefully get an understanding that maybe we hadn't had before. Yeah. So I think each one of you gave me an understanding maybe I hadn't thought about, and I, I hope we learned from each other as well. So thank you all for being here today. This was such a great show. And yeah, it was our first episode. I'm so excited. We wrap, we're wrapping up. And I, I think this was amazing. You guys were 
just the bomb. Like I said, I wanted to go on another 30 minutes and clearly could have, but I definitely want to honor your time and respect your time. So I'm going to just ask each one of you to give your contact information or if you are any, on any social media or in pages where people can reach you. Um, Nate, we'll start with you. How can people reach you if they want to reach you or, or follow you? You can reach me at uh, Fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R, Nathaniel at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook uh, under Nate Fowler. And uh, I normally respond to people when they, they send me messages um, as quickly as I can on Facebook. Okay. And Toya, if they want to reach you, how can they, and especially if they want to just look at the hip hop church, because that's going to be big. What, what, how can they reach you and reach out to you and find you? Yes, they can reach me. Um, the best way to reach me is on Instagram, Toya X. That's T-O-Y-A-E-X. And the Hip Hop Church is also at the Hip Hop Church on Instagram as well. We're there every Sunday night at 9 o'clock p.m. on Instagram Live. Okay, good, because we don't want nobody to miss it. <laughs> Not miss it, okay. Even though we do have replays. <laughs> okay. All right. So why? I had to show how hip I am. You know, sometimes we got we to gotta just take it to them, just show them we're still hip. We still got it. Uh, <laughs> okay, how can they reach you, Dwight, the man? Um, and then also with your blog, how can they get um, find your blog if they want to go to yeah, it? Yeah, so you can you can go ahead and subscribe to the blog at avowedforlife.org. Um, A-V-O-W-E-D, the number four, L-I-F-E. Um, avowedforlife.org. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I have two accounts, my personal account. You can follow either one. Um, my personal account is at Horsento, H-O-R-S-E-N-T-O, or my uh, Vowed for Life uh, Instagram at A-V-W-D, uh, the number four L-F-E, uh, and also on Facebook. I got a lot of Generation Z. We got every Insta every social media account in the book um, at Dwight Pullen. I'm pretty responsive. I accept friends easy because I think we're all family. Um, and we can be family and relate. So yes, and they can find all of you on our Facebook.com uh, groups page. It is Facebook.com slash groups slash the XYZ connection. They are participating in conversations and they'll they're always open to talk. And also if you respond after this video on the Facebook page about the video, we have a live watch party. Um, you'll be able to communicate with them because they'll be there as well watching the watch party with us. So thank you all for coming. I appreciate you so much. Um, I just think this was amazing. But thanks, everybody, for joining us today. You guys were a blessing. You guys were a blessing. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank for you having for having us. us. Thank you for having us. Yeah. All right. So coming up shortly is my reflection moment, what I thought about the show and how we connected as uh, generations. Thank you for listening. Let's bridge the gap. Click, comment, share, subscribe. Visit our website on www.thexyzconnection.com. Join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash the XYZ Connection. Stay tuned for next week's episode of the XYZ Connection. Critical conversations impacting generations. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, that show was amazing. So at the end of every episode, I'm going to give a short time of reflection and just kind of tell you where I'm at with the show and how I feel that we all connected. 
And you're also welcome to give your comments on the show as well. You're, you're welcome to like, click and share and subscribe because I definitely want to hear what you thought about the show. What did you think about the guests? What is your idea of commitment? I mean, how do you feel about everything you just heard tonight? Because this was a lot of great information. Um, so what I heard, and I want to kind of tell where I feel like we connected as well. First of all, everybody was so transparent and opened up with their stories of commitment in their marriages and their relationships. I think that was just so amazing. I want to thank Nate, Toya, and Dwight for everything that they imparted today because this, I mean, it was eye-opening on every level. So I feel like I learned so much. Um, where I feel like we kind of um, had common ground was when we talked about social media. I feel like we all felt like social media has a lot to do with perpetuating stereotypes, with um, setting the foundation for what we think about certain things, for perpetuating certain images and ideas, and also for redefining even what we think about commitment. Um, and so what we all decided was that commitment was given to us and that we should honor how it was created. It's not our decision sometimes to say what commitment is or isn't. And I think that was great, a great point. Um, also, we talked about um, men stepping up and taking a role and um, being more leaders. And I think that was powerful as well. What did you guys think about that? Do you think men should take a greater role in relationships? Or do you think that, um, you know, we as, we as women should step up more and maybe take more of a leadership role? Because I think what they said was powerful. I mean, a lot of women are having to step up because they feel like they have to. Um, what do you guys think about that? <clears throat> and then we look too much to others to kind of define things for us, especially celebrities. But with the marriage and the bad marriage for life, it's okay, guys. It's okay to sometimes walk away from situations that maybe aren't for us. And you don't need to feel super guilty. You don't need to feel like you're under bondage um, if you do walk away from a situation. Because what did we all say? You have to find that peace within your heart to do what you think is best. And so I just got so much out of this and I hope you did too. I am so excited to be able to put out this first episode of the XYZ Connection. I want you to continue to follow us on the Facebook group page at www.facebook.com slash groups slash the XYZ Connection because I'll be there. I'll be asking more of the tough questions and I can't wait to hear your input. Um, it's been an amazing ride so far and I can't wait to see what else you guys want to talk about. Of course, if you have suggestions for a show, please do not fail to email me or call me. Um, you can reach me at Michael at empowermentww.com or the XYZ Connection at gmail.com. If you just want to reach out and give me some ideas for a show, or if you just want to say hi and tell me some, some things that you can do or contribute, because I do need help sometimes with editing or things like that. And also, I would love, um, you know, people who would just want to make a difference and want to be a guest on the show. I love the idea of having guests. Um, so next time, we're going to be talking about mental health. Um, we had a situation recently with Kanye West and he was going through some things. So I'm going to kind of expound on that and decide, you know, what does mental health look like with relationships? And is that something that we can't overcome together or is it just too much? What if the other one person doesn't want help and the other person does? So that's something we're going to get into next time on the XYZ Connection. So don't remember, don't forget um, that we're going to get together and discuss so many great issues this season that I can't wait to see what you think about the rest of this season. So stay tuned and let's keep connecting guys. You guys have a great night.